0: We at The Other Side of Hell Podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We are just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about
1: drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering.
0: Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can
1: get better. What's up? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And you are now on the other side of hell. <laughs> Her- Her-
0: Bring it in. Yeah. What up? Yeah. How's it going, man? Good. It's been fun this morning. I was running a little bit late, but. Yeah. We. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I had to apologize. And it doesn't happen very often, but not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. But we've no. had a good time so far.
1: Yeah. We always have a good time. Feels like it's been a sex since we've been together. I'm glad we could make it work. Yeah, I appreciate the boys coming out, helping us out today. We 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 intend on doing a very good
0: show for yeah. everybody. So if you're listening, God, you are lucky and loved and loved. Thank you so much to the people that listen to the show. I I wouldn't even mind starting off with that because yeah, we got some numbers back and we took a look at some facts and and we really appreciate. The listeners and, and the viewers of the show supporting us with what we do here, so yeah we're pretty let's start with thanking you guys that's
1: a good idea yeah we're pretty blessed uh, you know the same thing applies to my recovery all the time. It's like I'm usually doing better than I think I am yeah and and even as a podcast, that applies you know where I think we're doing much better than uh, than I think we are, and people are getting a lot of value from it, and we get a lot of great feedback and, and yeah and I hope that everybody knows that we appreciate it. wish that. I knew everybody's and, name. And uh, so I do. I have a list. we we'll, have, have a
0: whole episode of just thanking people. Just individually. names,
1: yeah. Um, but we have a great show today. We're going to talk today about. Uh, I think it's uh, something that's that's pretty good to talk about. Um, when we get sober, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, of work that has to be done in order to get sober, and I think that it can be easy to sort of think that that's it. Yeah. Um, and then the longer that we stay sober, we we sort of realize that that's. That's the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, more is needed. Um, and that more is required. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about the resources beyond sobriety. So what are some of the things that we can do um, after we get sober to continue helping us grow on our journey of, yeah. of, uh, of self-improvement and self-discovery? And we got this topic today from, uh, from our war story from Courtney. Courtney. Who had an amazing story. Yeah, she's a uh, good delivery. Yeah, and I she's love, love she's these deliveries. She's had a great journey. Yeah, um, wasn't easy for. Her. No, it hasn't been, and and um, in a lot of ways, her journey is just beginning, and and yet she had a lot of just great insight. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I really appreciate, um, and I can't wait to share her story with you guys, um, but uh, but yeah, so she talked a little bit about uh, some of the things that she has to do beyond AA, beyond a twelve-step yeah. program. Beyond um, aftercare. Yeah.
0: Beyond, beyond treatment. Yeah. And beyond
1: sober living, it's yeah. kind of where she's at now. And, and, uh, and I, and it really got us thinking, you know, there, were, there really was a lot, I think for us, it's easy to, um, you know, now that we're down the road a ways, like it's easy to forget these things that we've sort of added to our yeah. recovery journey, um, that, uh, that, you know, weren't originally a part of it. So. Yeah. So yeah, I think that it's worth discussing because, uh, because anything that we can do to help us continue to grow, continue to love ourselves, continue to help others and and serve our community in a better capacity is going to be beneficial. So, um, you know, that being said, Willie, like what, what, uh, what are some of the things that we're talking about here?
0: Well, um, I gotta be, I gotta be honest and tell you a little bit about early sobriety for me, because, you know, I really did think that, uh. I I thought that just getting sober was going to be enough, right? Um because it was so big. Yeah. You know, getting sober was so big and so out of touch that I thought that if I just went to, you know, recovery meetings and did the the work required that 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 was going to be enough, that was going to change everything. But what ended up happening was as as I got sober, and it's it's cool that we're talking about this cuz I was actually in a meeting on Friday. And we were talking about uh, the topic was the um, the positives of sobriety, and this is kind of goes along with it because um, what came along with it was like I I learned how to do these other things along with that, and so like the first thing was getting sober, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was huge. Oh yeah, and and, and I didn't realize that um, it was only going to take me so far spiritually, mentally. I was only going to get to know myself so deeply on on that level without more work, but um, the next thing that came along was like a job you sure, know? and sure. and I learned, I learned, and, and, f- you know, for a lot of people, for a lot of people that never had a, a job issue or have, have been able to like be, uh, either, uh, like, like what's it called when you successful, addict, gainfully employed, gainful, gainful addicts and alcoholics like that never lost a job or anything like that. Um. Or just normal people in general that did adult shit on a normal basis, right? Like, yeah, I've always paid my bills, so good for you, or whatever. Like, doing these new things in early sobriety were a huge deal for me. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, then I learned how to, like, not only get a job, but go to that job every day. And and so, and then not only did I learn how to call my sponsor, I learned how to be honest with my sponsor. Mm-hmm. And, and that stuff sort of grew, and so... I moved into starting to learn myself through the twelve steps of AA, and I did the step work, and for a long time, you know, maybe a year, maybe two years, the success of completing that tw- the twelve steps with a sponsor in AA was enough. Yeah. Right. But eventually, I started feeling that angst, that
1: restless, irritable, yeah, discontent. I, yeah.
0: And and so I go back and I start revisiting some of those early principles of sobriety. Like, what am I missing? And that, and that, that's where the extra growth came from. I think, um, was, was, I was sober, uh, but I wasn't as happy. You know, I, I came off of the pink cloud, right? That pink cloud. I came off of that. And so, um, wanting to stay sober, I knew that if I wasn't happy, I wasn't going to stay sober. And so, the, the searching begins but it's all really it's all really subtle and and sneaky and and it's not like i knew that that's what was going on it's not like it's not like i felt irritable and i was like oh i need i need more growth Right. You know, it was like, I'm irritable. What's wrong with me? But, Why isn't this stuff working like it did a year ago?
1: Yeah. Would you say that's still the case? Or now yeah. are you able to recognize that, okay, I probably need to, to take some action? Now,
0: now I'm a lot more able right. to recognize. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm almost 11 years in, right, into right, this right. thin of sobriety. So, you know, what, what I found, um, to go back to your question, you know, finding what I needed next is a huge process. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what I have to do is remember that what I'm doing is working. Right. And so I can't get rid of the things that are working. Yeah. Right. Which, which is my addict nature. Like I want to move on to the next best thing. Right. But I can't, I have to maintain what's working as well as add other things to it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've, we've heard it several times, like, like AA and, and, recovery 12 step recovery or or um sober free or whatever um whatever uh arena of recovery you get sober in is not therapy it's not psychological therapy so it doesn't deal a lot with with like post traumatic stress or trauma right. or you know sexual abuse you know it's we, not a cure all right we can we can start identifying some of those things from our past through the work that comes along with it but it's not therapy. It's not going to resolve right. it. And it's not it's not employment therapy. It's not a place of like learning how to be responsible with your money or anything like that. You know, like so a lot of times more work is needed in those areas. And sometimes you might have a great sponsor that can direct you into some place like that or a friend or a loved one. You know, we got to have some sort of support, because if I could think of this stuff on my own, I would have done it on my right, own. Like, right. I don't want anybody's fucking help. I got too big of an ego. But when I can humble myself down and go, OK, more work needs to be done and start asking the question, what's next? Then a lot of times it's revealed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and more work is needed, like you were saying. So, uh, yeah, some of the stuff that we do is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I I mean I agree, and I, I would say that uh, to to your point, one of the things that I remember being revealed to me early in recovery um, is uh, is a couple of books. Right there was there was some books that were like pivotal to um, like this new sort of way of thinking, and and what I loved about um, being in sobriety and sort of being in that position having come off the hills of just this horrible length of time where, you know, I'm giving into every compulsion, every urge, every desire <laughs> at all, at all turns, you know, and then having that work out so badly for me yeah, that I was willing to be open minded enough to hear so many different ways of being that were not the way I was living my life that, um, that, you know, I was, I was open to all sorts of new ideas yeah. and new concepts and, and Be- that's
0: beaten into willingness. Right. Well, will.
1: yeah. And that's something that, you know, that, uh, that drugs and alcohol and then sobriety did for me. Right. And so, um, one of the, the things that happened for me, like early on was, uh, was, you know, somebody had told me about a book cause I would tell them, you know, like kind of what I was dealing with and like, just like, oh yeah, like my my mind is always thinking, and that's and we've heard that said a thousand yeah. million times, right? Like, th- this is a thinking disease, and uh, in my case, that was absolutely true. And so, um, one of the books um, that that was suggested to me was The Power of Now by Eckhart mm-hmm. Tolle, um, and I remember reading that book and uh, and just being completely blown away, like. It was just this whole other like um, resource that that had so much great information that I just knew was gonna benefit me every day in my life um, that had been there waiting for me, you know? And it just really made me wonder like what else is out there? Like, you know, like I've been missing out, you know? Like all of a sudden it's like information is like my new drug yeah and it's like like what else is out there that can help me like because this was so i just found it to be so beneficial yeah um and so then it really had me sort of seeking other things outside of of a program of recovery that i knew could help me in my sobriety in the way that i chose to live my life now um and uh and and things like that and so that book was one of them. What What were some of the things you found to be super critical
0: for you? You You, you want to hear something kind of funny? I, I don't know. Maybe it's funny, but so I got sober, but I still smoked. Okay? Right, right. And Me then too. and then, um, when Avery got pregnant with Isaac, she quit smoking right off the right off the rip. Like she just quit smoking. And then, like I wanted to quit smoking, and I was really struggling with it. And so like I tried I tried the gum. Okay. I tried the I tried Chantex, which was which was a, which was a, a medication. Uh, I tried promising myself I tried all these different ways to quit smoking, right? And then Oh, you switched from wine <laughs> to brandy. And- <laughs> yeah, I tried, and, and finally like th- this in this one action led me down this entire rabbit hole of self-development. I looked up on YouTube uh, hypnosis to quit smoking. Hmm. And and I tried to do and and maybe it worked i don't know like i i youtubed it uh quit smoking hypnosis and and i listened to it and i listened to it but when i did that the algorithm on my youtube started pulling up other self-development stuff that i i had never been down this concept ever right and there was a guy on there and he's like he was like the father of self-development from like way back in the 40s and 50s and his name was Earl Nightingale and he has uh 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 uh, like he used to do self-development records Mm -hmm. like so it was before eight track before audio, audio cassette you know, maybe he was on the radio or TV, I don't know, but I know he had records and he had this one called The Strangest Secret in the World. And you can look it up on YouTube and that's what it's called. But it was the first time that I had ever really wrapped my head around the concept of I become what I think
1: about. Sure, sure.
0: And and I could go back and I could see that my entire life was wrapped around this negative self-thought. And that I was manifesting negativity in my life based in the way that I thought. And so everything was a disaster. And it was the first time that I could really understand that I could change my thinking from negative to positive on a moment-to-moment basis, right? This moment-to-moment basis. And so as as it goes, you know, one thing led to another, led to another, right? And so... Because I, I listened to that and what I did was I listened to that every day for thirty days as it was suggested. And and I did what was suggested on that. You know, I started to learn that I could write out my goals and that would imprint a uh, like a decision on my mind, on my psyche, that I could go back and I could like see that this is something that I want to do every day, every day, every mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And and the need for self-love was so huge inside of me, like it had been missing for so many years of my life. And I had been just alcoholically consuming everything in, in my path to try to find that self-love, you know, try to find these moments of uh, security and these, these like moments of serenity and peace through substance and relationships and food and, and all these things that, that being able to stop and, and like look at it through a different lens that this isn't necessarily a physical problem, it's a mental problem, it's the way that I think, it's the way that I see myself and the world around me was huge for me. yeah And it was a life-changing understanding to understand that that, okay, I do kind of have some control over the way that I think and behave, and I can learn to control and direct that stuff the way that other people have said I could if I put this stuff into action. And so, you know, that was that was the big that was YouTube was a huge tool for mm-hmm. me. And it still it still is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I feel like the, the more I talk to people, um, in, in sobriety or just in a certain stage in their lives, right? Like I feel like everybody has sort of one thing that cracked the shell. Like that really sort of um, yeah. made them start thinking like, oh, my gosh, like this is crazy. Like <laughs> they have one thing that they can turn back to. Like I know my wife has one like um, like that she read and she changed her life because of it. Yeah. Right. Um, you're talking about YouTube. Like for me, it was the power of now. Um, and for a lot of people, there's always like one thing that they can turn to because I can tell somebody else about that book and they're like, oh, yeah, I read it. You know, like, and it was fine. Yeah. Know. But have you read the? You know, they'll they'll have something else that that I'm like, oh yeah, I read it, and it, and it was yeah. fine. But like everybody sort of has that one thing that sort of introduces them to this like whole different way of yeah. being or way of living and thinking. And, yeah, and thinking and and hopefully just, um, you know, lets them see the value that comes from growth. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, that was the case as well. And, and, um, I mean, through it all, right. Like through everything, like I had to stay sober. Like I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get anywhere if I, if I went back to the way I was previously living my life. But there was, you know, some other things that for me that were important that, that, um. that actually we hear Courtney mention is therapy, therapy, right? Like she, she went to therapy after she got sober and therapy for me, it's something I still do to this day. Yeah. Um, because there are things that I need to work with somebody on, on a weekly or semi weekly basis that that's not something that I can take to my sponsor.
0: You know what I mean? Like he may not understand or may have never been in that position. Exactly,
1: And it's not that, you know, like, um that I feel my sponsor incapable. It's simply that it's not it's not an AA thing, right? right. It's not it's not appropriate for that relationship. And um, and so I think that it's important that we continue to address these sort of underlying issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was something that I did in therapy. I also have flirted with, Um, some of the stuff that she mentioned, the EMDR stuff, um, which for those that don't know, stands for eye movement desensitization, um, desensitization, um, (laughs) and, uh, there's an R there that I can't remember what it is. Yeah. It's something anyways. Um, and you know, and that's, and that's actually a really interesting process that I don't, I don't think is actually appropriate for everything. But I think that there is a lot of value that can come sure. from it, um, and uh, and I've had some good good successes and sort of good um, insight as as a result of some of that stuff. And I think that um, I don't know, like all this stuff is just it's it's more stuff that I can add to what I'm already doing in order to hopefully just keep that self love improving. Yeah. Um, And keep that negative self-talk at bay, which for me is like one of the most critical things. Yeah,
0: And and what I did, I mean, uh, therapy, we've talked about therapy on the show and we've had Chris on the show who is a therapist. And um, for me, uh, it was sexual therapy specifically, Mm -hmm. sexual and relationship therapy that really, really helped me out because, you know, um, uh, sexuality is one of those things that that not everybody has the same flavor or same experience with, right? And so when I was trying to have a healthy sexual outlook, and I just felt sexually fucked up all the time, right, because I cheated on everybody I was with. Uh, I never had, like, a uh, successful sexual relationship, if you will. There was was some sexual abuse as a child. Um, All those things, you know, my sponsor and other people in AA aren't necessarily professionally equipped to even to even explore that on a, on a, on the level that sometimes it needs to be. And so I went to a relationship therapist after, uh, Avery and I were having some problems. She, she actually engaged with that therapist and I was, I was willing to go in there and look at it. And, and it, it turned out that I'm not as fucked up as I think I am, but there's some stuff going on with me sexually, hormonally, and psychologically that I didn't understand, that I didn't have the the means to even find out. Right. Right? And so by, by going to that therapist and adding that information and that experience to my overall sobriety and growth was a huge step forward for me to be able to find more self-worth and more mm-hmm. self-acceptance in mm-hmm. that area and be able to work on and move towards a more healthy sexual me, right? Right To where I no longer view sex as right or wrong or, or good or bad or, you know, or, you know, the way that I did before I was, a, I'm able to like look at sexuality as, as part of the human condition. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily part of my alcoholism or anything like that. And it was huge for me to, yeah. to not still hold on to sexual grievances of the past. You know, I, I needed that space and i i no longer go to her anymore but she's still a a resource if needed right because it's a lot of times you guys we can we can go back and we can fall back into the things that that we forgot we had learned like we we can forget the things that we Uh, learned and go go backwards Mm -hmm. and um as long as like you said i keep that footing in sobriety i stay sober and I stay moving forward, understanding that, that the direction I want to go is, is in growth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? If I stay in that space and I, maybe I forget that I'm not sexually fucked up or maybe I forget that, you know, uh, eating, eating certain foods puts me in a tailspin. You know, I can go, I, can, I have the resources and I have the ability to go back to square one and go, okay, this worked for me before. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I need to start over and, and remember some other stuff and do some work there.
1: Yeah. Well, as you were as you were talking, like what I found myself wondering is like I, I think that it might be helpful to like actually list like what what are some things that are probably appropriate for me to take to a mentor slash sponsor slash other person in recovery, right? And then like what are some of the things that are probably not appropriate like w- what I'm thinking is like I can see me going to my sponsor and saying dude like this is like this is I'm, I'm having just a lot of um you know head running and a lot of uh, negative thinking and I'm thinking a lot about you know this past and this thing that it, that I did to this person you know and and I can see my sponsor saying well have you prayed about it like are you you know are you uh in a position where you need to make amends to somebody like, Mm -hmm. or like what, you know, like what is going on. Right. Um, but then I can see also like a certain instance where it's like, I'm thinking, you know, I'm doing a lot of head running. I'm thinking about like this incident in the past where, you know, like, um, my, this has never happened to me, but like, you know, where like my father like beat the shit out of me when I was like, you know, six years old and having my sponsor say, well, have you ever talked to anybody about that? Right. Yeah. Like, because my sponsor is going to refer me to, like, whatever resource is probably most appropriate. Yeah. Um, and and that might not be him, you know? Like, yeah. really, yeah. like, that's, just, that's what a sponsor does, or that's what hopefully somebody in recovery will do, is just guide you to whichever resource is probably going to be mm-hmm. more beneficial. And, like, even in, in the instance with me, like, if somebody comes to me and says, dude, like, I'm having, like, I'm, you know... I'm going through a divorce and I've had, you know, like I've got two kids that I lost custody of and I'm trying to get custody of the two kids. And it's like, I don't really identify with that because I've never been divorced. You know, I don't have this custody situation, but like, I still might be somebody that can say, you know what, like I, Greg over here, like has actually had that situation. Like, why don't you, why don't I give you his number? Or why don't I reach out to him and see if he'd talk to you about this? And it's like, this is a situation where you know, that person is guiding me or guiding that individual to the appropriate resource. Yeah. right? And so I think that that's really like um, one of the things I just want to mention is that that's what our job is in recovery is to help others in a way um, that is going to be most beneficial to them. And if that means that all we're doing is pointing them in a different direction, yeah. like that's OK, right? Yeah. Um, and, and some of these outside resources are definitely going to be those things like yeah. those outside resources or suggestions or, or things like that. And I think that, um, it's, it's important to mention that, you know, that like a sponsor is not going to solve everything for you. Right. You know? Um,
0: yeah. And, if, and I mean, if you boil down what a sponsor is supposed to do in, in, in AA, uh, which is the only experience I have with a sponsor, so. Um, you know, if you, if you have a different type of sponsor or a life outside, coach or whatever, you know, um, you know, leave us a comment, tell us how that, that worked out. But, um, is somebody to walk you through the steps the way that their sponsor walked them through the steps and through that, you end up gaining this, um, this relationship with another person on, on a very deep level where I am able to usually talk to them about this type of stuff mm-hmm. and they are, they, they do trust me and they trust themselves enough to to say whether or not that there's a different resource that's needed right um one of the one of the mentors that i had for a while in my fitness journey uh which i really appreciate what you said about them being able to direct you you know he he always says you know a great leader or a great mentor won't tell you what to do they'll tell you where to look mm-hmm. right um and so if if we can help people and i can help somebody on a, on another level uh, gaze their their view on a different direction on where they need to look then a lot of times we're powerful enough in our own being which is something i didn't know prior to sobriety we're able to find that answer and go down the path that we need to go to for healing and it's pretty dope mm-hmm. right like this self-healing process is a lot of different moving parts for us it's not just one thing it's all those things, you know, all the different programs, all the different books, all the different conversations, that lead to this great big giant. I I, I wouldn't call it. I don't I don't want to call it a bandaid because usually band aids like, like associated with just covering something up temporarily. But this huge healing, like mm-hmm. permanent mm-hmm. healing, of of who we used to think we are into the person that we have become that are of value and have these, you know, this this little bit of wisdom and insight on not just sobriety, but on on discovering a life worth living without the regret, without the need to make more amends, without making the same mistakes over and over again, and having the bravery to move into like f- finding a new career path, you know, mm-hmm. chasing our dreams, creating a, a podcast, you know, buying a home, what whatever, whatever dreams you may have had, like being able to heal. And have all all the moving parts to that put us in a position to where our lives just become so much more fulfilled and we're not no longer living in the in the past or the fear of the future. Like we're able to really grasp and have a life worth I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, and grow too. Like that's I mean, and that's the thing, is like that's really that's really like what we're after is like and for me that's that's what it came down to is like when I started getting sober and I started feeling Um, you know, we're on this pink cloud for a while. And like I said, like my willingness is like at this all time high, I'm seeking all this information, I'm absorbing all sorts of information, I'm applying what might work. And I'm trying to decide like what, you know, like what, what is working and what is not and what I can take and what I can leave. And, and, um, and at some point for me, like I started feeling you know, somewhat stagnant in my growth. And it was like, okay, like what am I, what am I going to do now? Cause for me, like one of the, one of the first things I did when I, when I got sober is I really started engaging in like this, um, journey to reclaim my health. Right. Sure. Like I had put on a lot of weight. Um, and I'm somebody who, as you know, as you may or may not know, like, um, who has struggled with weight issues and, 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 uh, um, problems with food my whole life. And um, and so, you know, I really embarked on this this journey to um, to reclaim my health, and I, I did really, really well at it. And it was all really, really good for my sobriety. And also my sobriety was really good for my fitness program because I was able to apply principles that I was learning from um, AA meetings and recovery and 12-step program and, and uh, even things that I learned in treatment to sort of what was happening with me, um, on a, uh, diet and exercise program. And, uh, and really it just made me more successful in each one. Um, but it got to the point where, you know, I'm starting to feel like, um, like I'm kind of where I want to be, um, physically and mentally and emotionally. And like, what, what, like what now, right? Like what's the next step for me? Like, I felt like I was sort of like dissipating from the pink cloud, sure, and and uh, and really starting to like get. Mm, I mean, I don't want to say. I I guess restless would be a good word. Like, okay, like what 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 should I do now? Like, I I don't want to stay stagnant. I want to keep growing, um, because for me, it felt like I was either growing or I was like going backwards right like there was no there's no in between like if i'm staying stagnant i'm actually reverting back yeah um and uh and so for me one of the big things was like deciding to go back to school like Mm -hmm. okay like that feels like the next thing like you know i'm not happy with my job with my career like um and this is definitely going to be a challenge so like, and again, same thing applies. I'm able to take those things that I learned in recovery and treatment in 12 steps in AA and with working out and eating right and, and meal prep and, and a diet and exercise program and apply all that new stuff to school at the age of 32, you know, and, yep. and, uh, and apply it to working full time and going to school full time and, and really just, you know, like the one day at a time thing became so critical for yeah. me there because, um, you know, I'm I'm literally, I'm, I've, I'm working out every day for an hour, you know, I'm going to work for nine hours and then I'm going to school for five hours and one day at a fucking time. Like I got this, right? Yeah. Like I can do this one day at a time. Um, and so these are the things like what I really appreciate about that was that each thing sort of made me better at the next. Yeah. Right. Um, and they compounded and, and like now I'm at a a point again where, you know, like I feel like I've been stagnant for the last, you know, year, year and a half. Right. Um, to the point where it's like, okay, it's appropriate to take some action. Like the pain is finally getting, um, you know, enough that it's like, dude, like, I, and, and I'm able to recognize at this stage of the game that like, I need some help. Like, yeah, I can't do it by myself. Right. And so, you know, I have sort of embarked on a new fitness journey, um, which I'm working on now and, and fingers crossed, like there's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of everything there, but, but as we're talking and I'm, I'm thinking about it, it's like, Hey, again, like I'm able to apply everything that I've learned up to this point in my life to what's happened. Um, and to what will happen here and just take it one day at a time. Yeah. And, and with that attitude, like there's no doubt that I can be successful. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, it's all a part of just continuing to grow.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I, I want to, I want to remind everybody cause I have to remind myself of, of this small thing. It takes practice. Yeah. Right. Like, Good point. Like, like I have to. Uh, uh, be easy on myself. You know, I have to be hard, but I also have to be easy because I am an information junkie. Right. When you were talking about that, I recognize that I love new information that gets me excited. Right. And and for me, and I know for you too, like it gets to a certain point where um, everything that I've tried or everything that I've looked at and everything that excites me comes to uh, it does. It, I, I don't want to call it an end, but I find the same answer regardless of which direction I'm looking. Sure. In, right? So, So I start picking up books. I start talking to coaches. I start doing programs. And they all lead me to the same answer where work needs to be done in these certain areas. Like, I have to get up early. I have to do my exercise. I have to do my meditation. I have to do my therapy. I have to do my meetings i have to do my work i have to do my taxes like but um, and all all my resources lead me to these answers and it becomes a point, point of practice mm. it becomes a point of regardless how i feel regardless of what my mind wants to tell me i still have to show up and do these things every day and that in the, in the work itself is where the fulfillment comes and so just hang in there keep doing what you're doing you know if you're in sobriety and you've fallen off of that pink cloud don't be afraid to go and step outside of, of what you know. Talk to some people that seem happy, that seem fulfilled, that seem to have what you want. Find out what else they're doing besides the stuff that you already know and and see what kind of answers you can come up with. Um, you know, Cameron and I have a ton more resources that we've used that we can't. obviously there's no way we could put into this episode of all the things that we've done and learned and work on and try and, and you know, from from retreats to writing programs to the things that we've listened to, uh, the stories that we've heard and told. There's just an endless amount that have brought us to the point where we're at today where we have a firm grip on what works for us, on what we know will work for us, and implementing that in practice on a daily basis. So if you have any questions, like, like, reach out to us and see if, you know, like, if you need more specifics or whatever... Don't be afraid to to comment or, dude. Have you ever done scream therapy? Yeah,
1: like primal screaming. Yeah, so cool. Oh yeah, I actually have, and and I mean,
0: I've done I've done uh, moments of I've I've done retreats of silence. I've seen. Oh, uh, that's right. I've done right.
1: vows of silence. Yeah, uh, I like that you covered both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I'm fucked up. I got to try everything
1: well and that i mean and that's a good point like i mean that's exactly right right like i have found that like there's there's things that i have tried that i look back on and i'm like i don't know what i was thinking but at the same time like it didn't cause me any harm yeah right like and i gained some insight like i learned like what 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 my limits are with some of that stuff and Mm -hmm. like what i am willing to do and what i'm not willing to do and And, uh, and I think that that's sort of the, the process. And like you said, like it takes practice and, and really like for me, it's critical that I fall in love with the process and, and that I can be okay with like the journey that is, that is, that is, uh, that is about to take place or that, you know, is this spiritual growth for me, like, um, I have to just love it, yeah. And for the most part, I do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have moments where, like, I've talked myself into thinking that, like, it's all bullshit, and that, you know, I'm really tired, and that I burn myself out, or you know, you know what I mean. I deserve something. Yeah, like for me, like honestly, I think that I've just gotten into this position where, you know, like I've become comfortable, yeah. And and it's a weird sensation because. Like there's, there's something that's, um, satisfying about that. It means that I've reached this level in my life where my happiness, um, is like, I've, I've, I've checked a lot of boxes that equal what happiness looks like for Cameron. Um, and so I get comfortable. I'm like, Hey man, like I have all the things like I've got a good job. I've got a good wife. I've got a, a family now, like, um, you know, I've got a great place where I'm living. Like I've got a podcast that helps people, um, you know, I'm helping others. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm good. I can just chill for a minute. Yeah. Right. But then like, as, as my mind works, right. Like I, I fall back into these, these old routines where it's like, eh, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll talk to that person later. And I take a little bit too much time to myself and I get bored and, and uh, I start looking for, you know outside substances to, to entertain me. And, and what I've sort of realized over the last little while um, is just how much I really rely on like food <laughs> to, to entertain me. Yeah, right? Like like how, oh, I'm so bored. like I'll just grab, you know, I'll get up and grab like a handful of nuts or something like that, you know, because I'm bored. Or because, like, I've reached a um, a point at work where, uh, you know, like, i am you know, sort of at a standstill for just a second, and so um, this is stuff that I have learned along the way, like by going through all this stuff, and so I'm able to look at that and hopefully apply it to whatever's happening now in order to continue to grow. Like, um, it's 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 a journey, and I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. Um it's it's all going to be a process. Yeah. And so for oh, show. Yeah.
0: Speaking of journeys.
1: Good stuff, man. Yeah, Courtney has had Ooh. uh quite a journey. Yeah. Um I really I I I just really appreciate her bringing her story to us and allowing for us to get uh um, you know such an amazing
0: topic from it. It's been fun talking about. Yeah,
1: it's great. And And I think you guys are going to get a lot from her story. I know I did. Um, It's it's really great. Let's let's just have her share it. Yeah. So without further ado, here is Courtney's war story. This week's war story is brought to you by Brainwash Coffee. Brainwashed Coffee is damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which is why Brainwashed Coffee is the perfect partner for us here at The Other Side With blends like Higher Powder and Ego Amigo, Brainwashed Coffee has your back no matter what you're pouring. Through. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee order when you use promo code OTHERSIDE at BrainwashedCoffeeCode.com. Clean your bean with Brainwashed. And without further ado, here is this week's sports story.
2: I'm Courtney, I'm an addict. My sobriety date is September 23rd, 2021. So I grew up in Texas, I'm originally from Texas and lived there for the first 22 years. I was raised by my mom and it was just me and my mom for the first five years until she got remarried and who she married, that's who I claim as my dad. That's who raised me. I have a brother. And then I, I eventually have had a younger sister named Megan. She's 11 years younger than me. And um, I had a good childhood. I had a really loving family, loving home. My siblings and I get along. Um, you know, we did a lot of family stuff together. We went on trips, had game night, went to Six Flags, know there was a lot of love my parents were also strict which at the time i didn't love but looking back i'm pretty grateful for it you know like now that i'm a little bit older i understand and um you know things were really good when i was younger um i was big in church i had a very thick accent when i was growing up even though it's gone now after being in california for 10 years But when I was little, like three, four, I would walk around like the grocery store or wherever and I would go up to random people and be like, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because I do and I'm going to heaven and I want you there with me. And don't try to lie because I'll know, (laughs) you know, like I was just like out trying to save everybody. I went to Christian schools, was just like very involved. So, you know, I don't think that anybody could have predicted where my life would go later on. So. While all this is going on, I also have my biological dad. Um, He is an addict. He was an alcoholic when I was younger, younger. And then when I was eight, he started smoking crack. So he was in and out of my life, would forget to, you know, show up to things, forget to pick me up, you know, just very, I mean, as you can imagine, like someone on a drug like crack cocaine, like he was in and out of prison. Um, There was just a lot going on there. I also have a younger brother through him. So I was you know, separated from my brother. So there was a lot of pain and I can definitely see how a lot of my feelings of uh, like, you know, feelings of abandonment, feeling not good enough, my people pleasing, my need for approval. You know, I can definitely look back and see where a lot of that stemmed from because, you know, at a young age, we don't, I didn't understand addiction as a disease. I thought that he was choosing to do those things and that if I were just better, he would choose me. So I started having issues around like middle school, you know, I went to a very prestigious private school in Texas and my parents were not like wealthy by any means, but they worked really hard to put me and my brother and eventually my sister in the best schools, you know, they wanted to give us like every opportunity that we could to be successful in our lives. And so You know, I went to school with these girls and I cheered competitively with those girls. Um, Like if you've ever seen the Netflix documentary cheer, the choreographer for that show was my head coach. So it was very, very competitive. And like watching that show back, I can see where my perfectionism came from and stuffing down my feelings, you know, because if you get like injured or you're sick, you have to like, you know, they'll tell you, like, go to the bathroom like clean yourself up and come back out. So it's like, I got, that's where I learned like early on, like, okay, everybody just needs to see that everything's okay. And whatever I'm feeling that's not okay, I need to shove that shit down. (laughs) And so, um, so then, you know, the girls I went to school with, their parents all had more money, their parents were all married, like their original parents. And, you know, all these things that like looking back, I wonder really if they were relevant or if they felt relevant solely to me, but either way, they felt relevant and I felt different, you know, and I felt less than. And so, um, so then I go to high school and my dad, my biological dad goes to prison. And, you know, I, I feel like I finally have this thought, like, I want to know what's so great about drugs that he chooses them over me. And like, I ignore every strong warning I ever had. My mom had told me, I'd never seen my mom take a drink. And my mom had told me this disease, like alcoholism and addiction runs in our family. Her dad is an addict. My dad is an addict. So she was like, you you can't drink like you don't understand like the gravity of the consequences and i just thought like oh she's being such a mom and she's overreacting and nothing bad is going to happen so i start using cocaine i go um i use it one night i go on spring break for a week the next day and i'm with friends where i can't get to cocaine and it's all i'm thinking about the obsession hits immediately like i had no like there was no like escalation period it was like first use obsession problematic And I started experiencing consequences pretty young. Um, And at the same time, though, I'm holding down a job. I go to I have all honors classes and I make A's, you know, B's. And and then like even after high school, I'm still using daily and I go to college. I buy a house when I'm 19. And the reason I do these things is because like I need to I need it to look okay to you even though it doesn't look okay to me, and I know it's not okay, as long as it looks okay to you, then I'm okay. You know, that's like one thing I'm really working on since I've gotten sober this time is, you know, if I'm always putting like my self-worth and my value in other people's hands, I'm always setting myself up for the possibility of being destroyed. And it's happened time and time again. And so that's one thing I'm really working on is just like self-worth and self-love and, you know, not needing the approval of other people. So you know, my uh, my addiction progresses, as they say it does. And I move on from alcohol and cocaine to heroin and meth. And then within a few years, I'm using needles and I'm shooting heroin and cocaine. I start having some pretty severe consequences. Then I get a blood infection um, in my hand traveling to my heart and they almost have to amputate my arm. And then I end up having two more surgeries on my arms after that. Um, at one point, with six months of sobriety. I had a seizure. And that was just from like prolonged drug use. You know, my health is definitely being affected. And about halfway through my use, I'm at this treatment center because I'm going in and out of these treatment centers. You know, I'm on like a tour of treatment centers and I go into one and I meet him, you know, because rehab, that's where they keep the boyfriends. (laughs) So, you know, I get into this relationship. Um, We were together for six years and we were, You know, in and out of treatment centers. Sometimes I could get like seven months. One time I got nine months. But he goes out, and there I go too. So you know, one of the things that I had to do this time was separate. You know, and it's hard. Like six-year relationship, and you know, we had a lot of love between us, but there was just that like you know, small little problem of not being able to stop doing heroin together, and we were gonna die together. You know, and so I had you know, we had to make that choice for ourselves that we had to put ourselves first. And it's been the best thing I could have ever done for myself, you know? Like, as of now, like he has already gone out once as far as I know, but I'm still sober. And um, so, you know, by the time I make it to this last treatment center, it's my 22nd time in treatment. And um, and I have I have absolutely no hope or belief that I can stay sober. Uh, My parents flew out from Texas a few months after I got raided by the Orange County sheriffs and now I'm facing like sales and transportation of fentanyl charges, because of course I've moved on to fentanyl by this point. And um, they fly out here and they intervention me and they say, we want you to go to this rehab. Now, I have completely given up hope that I can get sober. Like my thought process is like I have tried it and it doesn't work. I've even gotten a year once and I still went back out. So it just doesn't work for me. Like I'm glad it works for other people, but it doesn't for me. And one thing I feel like I have to say is that, you know, I would go into these rehab sober living. I do the deal and I would hear in the 12 step programs, I would hear go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps, and you'll stay clean. And that was not my experience. And I'm not saying that it doesn't work. I still work a 12-step program. But what I found out was that I needed more. Like the caveat of what I need, just like I needed different drugs to get me where I wanted to be. Like I need different programs. You know, I currently do therapy. Once a week, like a talk therapist, and then I do another therapy once or twice a week for EMDR trauma therapy. You know, I also work a 12 step program, you know, um, I have to like do all these things because like one just like one drug doesn't work for all of us, like just one specific thing doesn't work for all of us. And I know tons of people that solely do a 12 step program and stay sober. That's just not been my experience. And I'm so grateful that at this point in my recovery, I have figured that out because I was banging my head against the wall repeatedly and then wondering like why this wasn't working. So I went into detox um, and You know, I didn't do it because I was like, yeah, yeah, I can totally stay sober. I did it because my like sweet, loving parents are sitting there and my dad's crying. And I, I could not look them in the eye and say, thanks for flying all the way out here, but please take me back to my dingy motel. I just couldn't do it, you know? So I love them. Like, thank God, because I know I didn't love myself. So I go into detox. I did about 20 days in detox, kicking fentanyl and Xanax. Um, I didn't eat for two weeks. I like fainted at one point, which I've had a lot of like withdrawal symptoms, but I've never fainted. I did a lot of other things that I'm not going to mention. And and then I went to residential for 70 days. And then I went to sober living where I still am. Um, And then I did IOP. So for the first five months of my sobriety, I was in groups. And it's because like, I knew that I needed that structure. You know, I'm going through a breakup of a six-year relationship. I don't have a car, you know, I don't have a job. And I just wanted to give everything I had into my recovery, you know, because I felt like if I'm going to really do this, then I'm going to do it. And, um, And yeah, I mean, it has definitely been a ride you know getting sober is the hardest thing I've ever done but it's also like even though like I've you know graduated college like I've done all these things but like to be honest they didn't really take a lot of effort for me like school that kind of stuff it comes naturally like staying sober goes against everything I feel naturally and so it's really difficult but at the same time like it's it's mine, you know, like my recovery is mine. And I love that because nobody can take it from me. And so I'm working on, you know, codependency, like there's just, you know, a gamut of things that come with addiction. It's like never just one thing I feel like. So it's like battling all of those and also being like easy on myself and patient with myself that not everything happens in my time. So like in a few days, I have seven months and, um, you know, I'm not like making a bunch of money. I don't even have a car at all. I don't have the boyfriend. I don't, don't have like any of that external stuff, but I feel better than I ever have, you know, like I'm not worried about where I'm going to get my next meal or where I'm sleeping tonight or like what crazy dangerous things are going to happen to me on the streets. And that's so nice. You know, I have people that depend on me because they know that they can. I, I have people that I depend on because I know that I can, you know, I get to follow like in my sponsor's footsteps, like she has so much wisdom and she shows me what it truly is to be a woman in recovery that can like walk with your head held high, no matter like what I've done in the past or what I've been through. And I can carry myself with grace and dignity, you know, like that's incredible from what, what I came from, like sitting In a motel six shooting heroin and cocaine and that's a miracle that I'm at this point, you know, and like one cool thing that I would have to say like that has happened is so I remember when I went into detox, and my mom told me you know like your sister's graduating from college in May. And we would really love for you to be there. And I remember thinking, well, shoot, like it's September. (laughs) So if you want me to be sober and be there in May, like we need to push this back. Like I'm getting sober way too soon for that to be a possibility. Cause I truly believed that there was no way that I could stay sober for like seven months. I was like, that's insane. And now here I am, like my flight's booked and I'm going in a few weeks to my sister's college graduation. And that would have never happened had I not gotten clean and sober, you know, and what I have to do today to stay clean and sober, you know, it may, it's been working like so far the seven months, but it may change in the future. And I just, you know, I hope I can remain like open and willing to see that, you know, like I lost my best friend to this disease at the beginning of 2021. And if I, I had never experienced a loss like that before, and if I experienced that type of close loss again in my recovery, like I may need to add something else to help me get through that. You know, it's like, realizing that just as my disease and my use changes and it progresses, like my recovery needs to as well. And so not thinking that it's just like this rigid set of guidelines that I follow and just cross my fingers that they work, you know, I'm like open and willing to a lot of different things. You know, I listen to podcasts about like thought work and managing your mind. You know, I just keep my mind open to whatever, you know, help I can get because now that I've you know, now that I have a clear mind and I have the time that I have, like, I'd never want to go back. You know, I truly don't think I could survive another relapse. You know, I, I like really don't. Like, just even if I didn't overdose, like, just mentally where I would be. So, um, I recently got a job for a recovery apparel company. So, I'm working for Stay Stopped now, which is great. You know, I've always worked like, I've always worked in the car business. I worked for Audi for a very long time and I made a lot of money, but it like, wasn't filling my soul at all. And so like, this does, you know, I get to hang around other addicts and I get to like meet a bunch of different people, like in all different points of their recovery. And it's just really rad. And I can't imagine like how good my life will be after, you know, a year, three years, five years, like if I stay sober, like the possibilities are endless and I'm just super excited about it and that's um, so yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. Luckily, I was not one of those people that updated my Instagram while I was using because that would be terrible. I did go Facebook live one time during a drug deal so then I stayed off the internet for a while. but my Instagram handle now is at the dot court uh, sorry at the dot sober Courtney. And then I worked for Stay Stopped Recovery Apparel. So it's at stay.stopped on Instagram. So that's all I got. Thank you.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Courtney. That yeah. was that was amazing. And uh, I just want to say, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Um. For your best friend there. It's, um. We are the lucky ones. We are the yeah. lucky ones. What'd you think, man? Could have been, could have been any
0: one of us. Yeah, it was good. You know, I can see. You know, I'm really grateful for for her story and and the topic that she brings through this because, you know, she does a really good she, uh, illustration of the progression of this thing, you know, from from having one belief at, at a certain age to a completely different belief years down the road mm-hmm. after a lifetime of of drug addiction. You know, like like we do get to a point where. It's not uncommon for all of us to think like this sobriety will never happen. I'm not one fucking person that's never going to get it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's such a dark place, you know. And and I'm really grateful that she came out of that because it's something that I can relate to. I remember remember thinking like I'm never going to get fucking sober. It's never going to work for me. I'm too broken. And all that negative self-talk and self-belief, that self-hatred and that dark space, Uh, was finally lifted after enough work. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she sounds like she's in a really great spot, you know, working with Stay Stopped and Jackson at Stay Stopped. We've had him on the show. Cameron has one of his shirts on. You know, we're a supporter of that. And it's such a great community of people. You know, we had Christina on who also works for Stay Stopped. It's just having that community that she talks about, having that family support that she talks about, um, you know, it's, it's huge. And, and being able to, to like come out of, out of that side and end up on this side of the table. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was a great story. Um, it sucks that we have to go through that stuff, but yeah, I'm very grateful that I got to go through that, that I lived through that and that I get to have the life and outlook that I have today because of it.
1: Yeah. Very well said. I, I appreciate that as well. And, and, and it's just a reminder that, you know, that we would not be the people that we are today had we not gone through that. And and even though what we've been through was super challenging and has been super challenging, like there's no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be who I am today without yeah. it. And And even though there's moments where I don't like myself, you know, like for the most part, I love myself a hell of a lot more than I yeah. did, you know. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. And, um, but you know, like there was some things about her story that were really, just really, really interesting. Like, uh, I think that's the first time that I've heard somebody using cocaine that early. Um, and, and just being hooked like immediately.
0: Um, and, and I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, when she was talking about, um, sticking needles in her arm after, you know after such a short amount of time and and being that deep into the drug world you know it reminds me that that one of the one of the benefits and one of the things that they come from that type of lifestyle for me and and i dare say most people can relate is i now understand all the lines that i will cross Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like like i have a clear understanding of like I will do things that I always said I would never do. Right. Yeah. And and I understand that completely. And so there's things that I haven't done yet that if I go back out are still waiting for me. Oh yeah. Not absolutely. only am I going to go back to the way that I was using and drinking before, mm-hmm. and and the lifestyle that I, there's still lines that are out there for me to cross that it still can get worse than that. Oh yeah. You know. And and so like it's a it's a great. Reminder that that I will cross every line that I swore I would never cross like that's what I become out there And so you know everybody benefits from Courtney being on this side of the table I don't I don't think there's anybody out there That wants her back using drugs the way that she did I think we all Everybody that has ever met her wants her on this side of the table doing what she's doing now I'm I'm pretty sure
1: yeah, it'd be hard to it, it it'd yeah. be hard to uh, to to imagine anybody that's uh, that's pulling Courtney so. the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate your story, Courtney. Thank you so much for, for sharing it. Glad yeah. you're on this side. Glad you made it. Yeah, and glad to be here with you.
0: Yeah, be a part of this with you.
1: That's right. So, well, um, that's that's another show. Man. Yeah, good uh, stuff. Uh, Done a
0: lot of work. All all three of us. All you know. Even, believe it or not Rylan and, and Jordan back there have done quite a bit of work yeah <laughs> yeah oh. not just this episode not just this podcast but personally as well
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I was, gonna, I was just gonna say like Rylan was talking a little bit about some stuff he's planning on doing before the show so it was interesting to hear you know like we're all kind of on this journey of self-discovery yeah so i um, glad to be on it with you guys. Thank you for being here, Jordan. And thanks Rylan. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. Um, and, and thank you for, for being you, here today. You're welcome. Appreciate you,
0: man. And thanks to our listeners again. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, in fact, if you're listening to this show today, something you could really do that, that might help us out is to rate us and review us on iTunes or, or wherever you might be listening. And also check us out on YouTube and subscribe. That would be really, really helpful. But Um, Just know that uh, that we appreciate you guys and and all the support that we get from you guys is is greatly appreciated. Yeah. So with that, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. The other side of
0: hell out of here. (laughs) Let's let's do it.
1: All right. Remember, guys, you are worth the work.
0: We'll see you on the other side.
1: The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.